part of what I love about our job is I think that you learn nuggets of the future um, because the founders that you meet, they do think like the creators of Ready Player One or Black Mirror and they just think in such a different way. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I was listening to pitches from entrepreneurs this week looking at what works well, what really grabs an investor's attention. It's easy to go through pitches because pitches these days are virtual or pre-recorded and online. Pitch is a very important exercise, I think, for most entrepreneurs. And I think the reason it matters is because it is a skill, I would say, to distill everything you're doing into a few minutes. David Iyama, co-founder of Account Story. You can find his pitch on the Berkeley Skydeck website. So what is Account Story? Account Story is software that demystifies selling to the enterprise. So, what is a pitch, and why am I on 10 a day? I sat down with Lightspeed Venture Partners' Nicole Quinn to talk about the pitch, not just David's, but all the pitches she hears in a day, or a week, or a month. A pitch is, um, for us, um, where we will have the you know great opportunity of being able to sit down with a really inspiring CEO, founder, um, and to hear their vision of the future. I always love thinking about the idea of three things, why this team, why this problem, and why this time um, when thinking about um, whether we as venture capitalists should invest or not. And having, having talked to any number of venture capitalists, I am not surprised, but other people might be surprised. You put the problem solution second. You mentioned the team first. That mm -hmm. is really true. That to me is super important. It depends what stage you're investing in, but I primarily invest in seed series A. Um, so at Lightspeed, we do try to be the first institutional investor. And at that point, the CEO, the founders, the early team, that's everything to me. I would say that that is probably 90% of the reason why we invest at that early stage. And it really is because this is an exceptional founder. People have been pitching over Zoom. We're software that's solving the number one challenge that B2B sales teams face. Did that change the way that you listen to a pitch or how you what you thought of a pitch? Or is that kind of the new standard? It's changed everything, Scott. So 
I am an extrovert and I love meeting people in person. Um, and then, and that's what we would do. You know, I would probably meet 10 different founders in person a day, either at our office or their office or running around to different coffee shops. Um, and that all changed. Um, and so now you're doing it on Zoom. And listen, Zoom is much better than a phone call at being able to better understand um, who that person is and whether they're exceptional. But there's nothing that beats meeting somebody in person. Um, and so I still try to meet them in person, even if it's not the first meeting. I'll try and meet them you know, for an outside walk um, for a second meeting. Um, and then also it increases the need to do references because you want to speak to other people who have worked with them before who can tell you, hey, this is an exceptional person um, because you maybe can't get such a strong sense of that over Zoom. You do investments, as you said, series uh, Series A, very early, uh, and also you tend to invest in consumer-facing companies, right? That sounds more fun, to be honest with you, <laughs> than investing in SaaS or B two B, that kind of thing. It just it just sounds like a, a, a more fun workday. I am biased, but I would definitely agree with you. Um, my background has always been consumer. I actually helped my father setting up online pharmacies in the 1990s um, and then spent nearly a decade at Morgan Stanley covering, first of all, the e-commerce companies and then the technology names, London and then New York. And so and we did the Facebook, Pandora and Groupon IPOs. So for me, like, trying to better understand what is a brand? You know, what really creates a household brand name um, in in technology and consumer more broadly? Um, and that's exactly where we invest. Um, we're big believers in you know the changing of consumer behavior um, and creating brands. And so, I definitely believe it is uh, fun and exciting. Um, and hey, that's also the product that is being created. You know, it's fun and exciting. We at Lightspeed like to say we invest in pop culture um, and companies that are really driving um, popular change. Tell me about changing consumer behavior. What are you, what are you noticing? Well, the pandemic has definitely shifted um, a lot with regards to uh, changing behavior. I actually wrote a very long tweet storm at the beginning of the pandemic saying, hey, let's look at China and let's look at some of the changes of behavior over there and whether those changes will be seen over here. Um, because sometimes things do come from um, Asia over to the US. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at cell phones in the Japanese about 10 years ago. Exactly. Very well said. Um, but, you know, it's very new trends, like live shopping, right? We never really had live shopping on mobile um, until the pandemic. Um, yes, we used to watch HSN and QVC on TV, but people are starting to, you know, cut the cable. People are starting to say, hey, I don't want to pay for um, cable anymore, but instead I'm going to spend $10 a month on Calm. I'm going to spend $10 a month on Spotify, Netflix. Um, and so, and Real, which is a really interesting mental health one. And so people are really starting to cut the cable and move to these new trends. And live shopping is definitely one of them, you know, where people are thinking, hey, I want to be able to watch somebody who's really entertaining me and is maybe an influencer who I admire on my phone and be able to transact right then and there on this app. Um, so that's I, I, honestly, I, Nicole, live shopping, I've never heard of it, but then again, I'm not the target demo. So it's like, like watching somebody play a video game on Twitch, except they're shopping. 
<laughs> that is a good way of thinking about it. And that is definitely a pro, uh, an approach that um, a lot of live stream companies have taken where you can actually watch somebody else shopping and then you can just copy their purchases. Um, but what I really like is um, just watching people almost like just tell you why they love a product. So they're showing you their beauty collection and they're saying, hey, this is why I use this particular mascara or lip gloss. And this is why, to me, this brand is better than any. And you're watching them apply it and showing you how to do a pretty cool technique around the eye. And then right then and there, you can just buy that product. Um, So it's this opposite of Amazon, right? Amazon, you're like, I know what I need. I'm going on, I'm I'm transacting. Give me an example of a a live shopping app or a live shopping site or or whatnot. So uh, later I can look at it. It's very funny you say that because the example I was going to tell you is whatnot. So (laughs) I like the fact that that's what you said. Um, There are two really interesting ones, Pop Shop Live and whatnot um, and Loop. Um, And a lot of these companies really focus on collectibles. So the great thing about collectibles is that you can never have enough of them. Um, And so whatnot sell everything from sports cards to Funko Pops um, to... I mean, vintage clothing and sneakers. Um, Pop Shop Live are doing something really fascinating where they're starting to work with boutiques. Um, And these can be child bookstore boutiques. They can be um, your favorite toy stores in LA. Um, And so think about, you know, when you go to Nashville and you love going to these really cool stores, well, you can now walk around those stores from the comfort of your own home by just going onto the Pop Shop Live app and um, doing it through there. Um, and then Loop is another one which is focused on collectibles. So there's lots of these that are doing really well. Are these uh, part, part of your portfolio or or uh, just ones you like? These are actually just ones I like, yeah. So um, always want to be shining um, a light on fascinating <laughs> companies, um, whether they're in our portfolio or not. You know, I, I think it's interesting because we've said in the past that younger people tend to be more interested in experience than physical goods. But in this case, there's a physical good involved, but there's also an experience. Exactly. And that is the complete opposite of Amazon, right? Here yes. you actually get the experience. You get the fun. You get the entertainment of actually watching this show. And then, hey, you can also buy something afterwards, maybe something you didn't even know you needed um, and particularly relevant at Christmas time. Um, you know, we've learned this at Goop, which is one of our Lightspeed portfolio companies, that people love the Christmas gift guide. People want suggestions of what to buy um, for the person who, you know, you just have no idea what to get them this Christmas if you're anything like me. Um, and so... We love, we've invested in a lot of e-commerce companies, Lady Gaga's house um, and Goop and The Honest Company. Um, and so that's something that we really lean into um, when the companies actually suggest what to get around, you know, the holidays or any other times. You came to Lightspeed uh, through your own startup. What did you see in Lightspeed that, that convinced you that's the place you wanted to be? You are absolutely right. I was at business school and I had um, a wearable technology startup and I pitched it to a couple of the folks at Lightspeed and I was blown away. I met a lot of different funds uh, up and down Silicon Valley for my startup, but Lightspeed really stood out as very different to the others. And I tell you why. It was because they were true thought partners 
you know, we say we support, but we push. Um, and that's exactly what it was like. I felt like they were asking deep questions that were really like enhancing the way that I thought about the company um, and focused on like the things that mattered in the business and helping me on like, you know, to move the needle where it matters most. Um, one of my partners, Jeremy Liu, who I just adore, um, he, um, I always say working with Jeremy is like going to the gym. It breaks your muscles down and it builds them up stronger. And that's exactly what happened when I approached them as a founder. I was like, wow, you know, they're breaking down the ideas. They're helping me build them up to be stronger um, and helping the company be even better as a result of having Lightspeed on board. Jeremy Liu is a venture capitalist investing in this new industry. He's been named several times to Forbes' Midas list of a top 100 venture capitalists. I'm just going to briefly step in here and briefly say everyone I know in the venture world likes and admires Jeremy Liu. He's not been on our podcast yet, but I have interviewed him several times for our television show, Press Here. We'll have more information about that show at the end of the podcast. All right, let's continue with Nicole and her efforts at Lightspeed. So you're working in a consumer-facing investment. It is amazing to me how resilient the consumer has been over this short period of time. Uh, you know, people are griping about the economy in some circles. Inflation is up, but consumer spending is up. Retail sales are up. Four million people comfortable enough to, to with their financial position to quit their jobs last month. Um, the consumer space is on fire. That is exactly what we see. Um, I mean, let me expound on that a bit for me to give you an inside scoop. Um, cameo, um, hopefully folks know cameo. If not check out cameo.com It's an incredible way to, um, get any present for those you love or gift for yourself, or you get a celebrity to record your message. The beginning of the pandemic, we were so worried. We were like, people are not going to be spending. People are just going to be staying at home. What are we going to do? We put together an Armageddon plan. And then the next month, we realized people are spending. People are staying at home and they are spending. And people are looking for new ways to entertain each other and themselves. And that's why they turn to Netflix. That's why they turn to Cameo. Um, really, you know, I would say it's like the future of joy. It's a true entertainment company. Um, and people just really started spending. Um, they got the stimulus checks. Um, quite often, um, you know, a lot of people either kept their jobs or maybe moved into a different area. Maybe people were working in a restaurant, but then they moved to a technology company like Instacart. Um, and a lot of these companies did even well because they were even better as a result of the pandemic because they were able to meet customers where they are and where they need what they need. Um, and so Cameo and others did incredibly well because that's it. They met the customer there and the customer spending has just really been increasing. Um, but I have to tell you, Scott, I think a lot of the customer spending that uh, we see in the technology is going on uh, NFTs and crypto right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that something in your portfolio in the future? It's my in my portfolio already. Um, is it? Which one? NFTs or crypto or both? Well, I actually think a lot of our companies will um, have an NFT element to them. Um, 
And my partner, Amy Wu's been investing in a lot of different crypto companies like FTX um, and many others. And then for me, um, I invested in a really cool company called Flickplay. Um, Flickplay is an app where you can go around a world um, similar to like a Pokemon Go type scenario. And you go around this world and you collect coins and you can collect shareable art and you can trade this art uh, in an NFT sense with other people. Um, and so... You know, everybody's love for NFTs right now and um, the belief that you can make a quick buck in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exactly what you can do through Flickplay. In order to believe in things like NFTs, I think you need to have sort of an open mind and an open heart that mm -hmm. goes away as you get older. Uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, at least at, from my point of view, I think, now wait, what? What are they doing? Um, but you seem to be willing to to have that open mind that this might be something that you well you did invest in it but but uh, you're more credible about it I think where does that come from? Have you ever watched those uh, Black Mirror episodes? Um, oh, I love Black Mirror. Exactly, or Ready Player One, you know, or some of these very futuristic. Um, shows. Um, part of what I love about our job is I think that you learn nuggets of the future um, because the founders that you meet, they do think like the creators of Ready Player One or um, Black Mirror, and they just think in such a different way. And I, part of me when I'm listening to them thinks, even if there is a slight chance that their future becomes the reality, well, that is so different from our reality right now. And at Lightspeed, we always like to invest where there's an existing human behavior and a technology overlay. And that, to me, is really what the metaverse, Web3, and NFTs um, allows for. Because, hey, we want to meet one another, um, but we don't always want to do it in person. Um, and we don't always want to have our, you know, have our face on. I mean, right now, you and I are talking on audio. Um, but, hey, we can do that through our avatars. We can have our avatars meet one another and you know, chat from the comfort of our own home. Um, and so I am a big believer that this world, this metaverse world could become, you know, our our world full stop in the future. There are some people who would roll their eyes at, at metaverse, et cetera. But then again, you look back and you think, you know, I'm going to invent a thing in which uh, you can only use 140 characters to just declare <laughs> something to the world. And people would say, well, that sounds kind of dumb. <laughs> um, and yet, it, it was not a dumb idea at all with Twitter, um, that it takes a while, uh, but the first adopters seem to understand something that a lot of us don't. Completely agree. There's so many wonderful examples of that. I mean, if you and I found out that someone told us 10 years ago there is going to be an election you know, electric car company worth a trillion dollars. That's, you know, it's funny. That's my mind went to the exact same thing as you were saying it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You know, we probably wouldn't have believed them. Um, but like things are just changing so quickly. And if you have, I mean, that Elon Musk, right? It definitely goes back to like an exceptional founder. Is this a founder who has a crazy view of what the world could look like? Yes. And is there a slight chance that that is what the world's going to look like? And now it looks like it's definitely going to be a chart. The, um, I mean, I think in Europe, you're already saying that um, they're saying by 20, 2030, it's going to be all electric cars um, as new cars. So this is the reality. It's no longer crazy. Um, and so there's many examples of that where people think it's crazy, but 
I mean, think about how much time you spend on your phone now, probably about six hours, right? If someone yeah. told you 20 years ago, hey, there was going to be this little device that you're going to spend like eight hours, you know, 10, 12 hours a day on, you wouldn't have believed them. Um, but hey, Apple, Steve Jobs, another person who just thinks it may be a crazy way, but that crazy came true. Yeah, um, and you know, Nicole, that goes back to something you had said earlier that really struck me. So I marked it down. There was you know, the people that are cutting uh, cable and then spending money on things like Calm. Um, I had never thought of Cameo and Calm and Spotify and to some degree Netflix and even DoorDash as almost being channels because they are ways of entertaining ourselves and we spend money on them. Nobody has ever described it like that, but you are spot on. Like, I think that's a fascinating way to think about it. It's like, I don't watch TV in the same way I used to. Gosh, you know, when I grew up in England, I'd probably spend four or five hours a day watching TV as a kid. Um, and now, yes, you know, you're spending half an hour meditating and falling asleep on calm. Then you're going over to real and you're getting your mental health content for that day. Then you're going to Spotify and watching that channel, that program for half an hour. Um, then you're going to your live shopping channel and having some entertainment and buying something for a friend that Christmas. Um, and so that's exactly the same as you would be when you're flicking through TV channels. But we now just have that, you know, right in our hand. You named a number of um, organizations that are headed by celebrities, uh, Lady Gaga, um, et cetera. What, how do you, I'm not asking you, what's Lady Gaga really like? What, how, how do you work with people who that's not their area of expertise, but they are doing such a good job leading those companies? I guess we believe something different. We believe that this is one of their areas of expertise. And so when we first met Lady Gaga, that was a question for us. We were like, hey, is beauty an area of expertise for you? And she sat us down and she said, I have three passions in this world, music, acting, and beauty. Beauty was probably my first passion because I would sit down with my mom and I would put on that makeup um, and I would mix things. I would take her different um, <laughs> makeup and mix them together. And she's like, and now I sit in the dressing room before I'm going on to a show and I'm mixing my things together. I'm working with my makeup artist and I'm really, you know, she's just the most creative person I've come across. And so she is really creating new, incredible beauty concoctions. And then when we started house with her, house labs, mm -hmm. everything, she has had her paws on absolutely everything in that company. Um, and so Lady Gaga came up with the names of every product. She um, came up with every color. She's you know, tested everything, been to the manufacturing labs. She works so closely with the team. She's in the office with them. And so we have an incredible CEO, Ben Jones, who actually was chief digital officer at the Honest Company and before that at Zynga. And he's wonderful. But Lady Gaga is a true partner to him. And another example, hey, Gwyneth Paltrow, one of her areas of expertise is acting. But another one is definitely goop living. Um, and then if you take Jessica Alba, yes, one of her passions and areas of expertise is acting. But the other one is being a mom and wanting to have like organic um, products for her children. Um, and so, you know, we're actually working with... Um, well, and two others yet to be disclosed, but two other incredible <laughs> celebrities, um, which I will be telling you about soon, Scott. 
I look forward to that. My last question for you is, uh, somebody told me you are the fastest English woman alive. <laughs> Did Jeremy Lou tell you that? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, before I um, hit 18 in England, 21 in America, and discovered alcohol, you are right <laughs> <laughs> that I was very good at a 100-meter sprint. Um and uh, I used to do it at um, the Nationals in England, and it was a real passion of mine. Um, and I used to do interval training to uh, train for it. And actually, sometimes I say that investing is like interval training. Sometimes you're walking, you're usually drogging, and then <laughs> you sometimes you really got a sprint. Um, <laughs> and right now in this market, it's definitely a sprint. Nicole Quinn of Lightspeed Venture Partners. I mentioned the two-man startup account story at the start of the podcast. You can find more information about them at accountstory.com. Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.